so if you have your lesson, we're going to be in our lesson series, Change into His Image. We're in lesson number eight, Searching for Wisdom. We are uh, learning how to be changed into the image of Christ. Uh, we learned that really the first step of being changed into Christ's image is understanding you need to be changed. It's understanding your condition, your sinfulness, and we dealt with that. And now we're learning how to make that change. How to Now that we know we need to be changed to the image of Christ, how does that take place? And so we're going to talk about wisdom this morning. I'm excited for it. So if you would, find your place in Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. And whenever you find that, go ahead and stand. And we'll get started. We'll read verse 7 and 8 of Proverbs chapter 4. Ready? A couple more still turning, that's all right. Proverbs chapter 4. There, say amen. Amen. Verse 7 says this, Wisdom is the principal thing. That means there's nothing really more important that you can get in this life than wisdom. Therefore, get wisdom. King James is really hard to understand, you know. It's just, man, how do you how do you understand that? Anyway, sorry. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Verse 8. Exalt her. Who? Wisdom. And she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. So we're going to talk about searching for wisdom this morning. We'll pray and get right into it. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that we're able to obtain wisdom from it. Help us, God, to first of all have a heart for wisdom. Help us to understand how important it is that we live lives of wisdom, that we live wisely and according to your word. Help us to understand how important that is, and then help us, Lord, to attain that. I pray that you would bless our time together. Help me explain, Lord, as we talk about this great subject this morning. Christ and I pray, amen. You may be seated. So far in our study, we've seen the power of our sin nature and how it needs to be restrained. That's the blank. We need to restrain our flesh. Um, that's our sin nature. That's who we are fundamentally without God. We're sinful. We need to be different. And the first step is restraining who we are. The next step is obtaining the mind of Christ. And so we're in this section of changing to his image. And again, that's underlined. You don't have the blank. Like, what's the deal? We underline it because that's the title of a book. And if, we've, if, you don't, if you've not heard, all of this is from a book called Changing to His Image by Jim Berg. I would very much encourage you to read that on your own time. Um, but we're in that section of that book that centers on this, the renewal of the mind. And to be like Christ, we must have the mind of Christ. That's the blank. The mind of Christ. We need to restrain how we think, restrain our flesh, and then don't just stop thinking what you've been thinking and be a vegetable. <laughs> you've got to replace it, and you've got to renew your mind and start thinking the right things, you see? And what you need to be thinking is what Christ thought and what he'd have us to think which is in Philippians 2.5, that we have the mind of Christ. 
In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus preached that a man must have two specific heart responses. That's the blank. Heart responses to his words in order to be wise. If you want to be wise, and I hope you do, Jesus gave two things that must be a part of that. First, wisdom is found in the context of a relationship with him. And so the hearer's response is to his words. That's the blank. His words. And really, we should emphasize the, the word his. It's, it's the words of Christ. There's a lot of words that we can hear. There's a lot of people who want to help you. I think there's some that genuinely do want to help you, but they're not helping. I think there's some that maybe are deceptive and don't really want to help you. Um, but God wants to help, and he's the only one who really can. And we need to focus on his words. That's first. Second, Jesus teaches which actual responses to his words will make a man wise. Responses. And so we need to hear his words, and we need to do his words. That's what Jesus said at the end of Sermon on the Mount. We need to hear and do what he says. And those two responses are the primary disciplines of wisdom. It's really all it is, isn't it? Wisdom is really basically two things. Hearing what God says and doing what God says. It's what we said in Joshua, right, on Sunday night. And I didn't even realize that we were going to talk about that today. But here's what Joshua did. If he wanted to be the leader God wanted him to be, he just needed to say, hear what God said and then do it. And if you want to be the Christian God wants you to be, it really just comes down to this. Hearing what God says and doing it. Now those two things can be broadened, and we're going to talk about that today. And sometimes it's hard for us to hear what God says, at least we make it hard for us to hear what God says. Um, but that's really it. Hearing and doing. And so these are the primary disciplines of wisdom, and thus of a Christ-like renewed mind. That's exactly what Jesus did. He heard the Father. He did the will of the Father. And so how a person responds to his words, the words of Christ, that is, will determine the stability of their life and the usefulness of his or her life. And so Jesus said, build your life on the rock. The blank. On the rock by hearing and doing what Jesus said. Jesus' way, his words, his way of living is the rock. It brings stability. There's a lot of instability in our world. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of instability in people's hearts. And they're trying to figure it out. And they're going to parts of their life. And they're going to what happened to them before. And they're going to how they've been brought up. And they're going to the society who's mean to them. And they're going to all these different things to try to find stability. It must be a problem out there that's happened to me. But really, the, the lack of stability is really nothing more than a, than a refusal to hear the words of God or do the words of God or both. If you hear the words of God and you do the words of God, then Jesus said your life will be built upon a rock. It will be stable. Yeah, and he can get you through all of those things that we talked about, and all those things are important. But the way to deal even with those things is to hear and do the words of God. It's really that simple. So by the end of this lesson, you should be able to do these things. One, define wisdom. And be able to distinguish between the helicopter view and the dashboard view. We'll talk about that in a second. 
explain what we what will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ, state the two basic disciplines contained within the master discipline of hearing. So today we're going to talk about the hearing part. Remember we said hearing and doing. We're going to talk mostly today about the hearing. And then you'll describe biblical meditation. Okay? That's what we'll learn today. Number one, what is wisdom? What is wisdom anyways? Some view wisdom as having the view from a helicopter over traffic. Helicopter over traffic. Wisdom is compared to the view of the rush hour traffic from the traffic helicopter above. Do you, see, do you understand that imagery? It is thought that with wisdom, it should be equally understandable. And so people think wisdom is like you see all the problems of the city all at once, the helicopter view, right? You know, here's the point. You know why the traffic jam is there because you're in the helicopter and you see the crash over here or you see that the bridge is out or you see that that guy lost a tire or whatever and it's caused the problem. And so people think that wisdom is knowing why the problem is there at all. That's how people view wisdom sometimes. It's thought that with wisdom, life should be equally understandable. We should understand all the facets of our problem. A quick survey of Scripture reveals that most of God's servants never knew much of his plan at all. Joseph, Daniel, Job, these people went through some hard times, and there's no, there's no reason for us to think that any of these guys knew why, listen, that they knew why what was happening to them was happening to them. None of them knew. And I would love to deal with all three of those guys, but here's the point. They went through some hard times. We knew, because it was written down for us and our admonition, but Daniel didn't know why he was going through what he was going through. Job never knew why he was going through what he was going through. Joseph never knew why he was going through what he was going through. And they all were three described as wise. They all handled their situations exactly how God intended for them to. For the most part, Job kind of struggled there toward the end. But they were wise, and they didn't know why. And so wisdom, then, is not the view of the road from the helicopter above the traffic jam. A more accurate description is the view from the dashboard. The view from the dashboard. A better illustration of wisdom is to view it as a skill exercised by a driver caught in the middle of a traffic jam. What do you mean? Well, Berg said this in his book. It's not written in our notes, but I read the book a few times. And he said, wisdom is this. Wisdom is knowing the right next step. That's what wisdom is. It's knowing the right next step. It's not knowing why this step is here. It's not knowing, knowing why you have to take this step at all. It's not knowing the steps five or six years down the road. It's always knowing the right next step. Now, thinking ahead will help you when you get there to take the right next step. But wisdom is fundamentally taking the right next step. It's like a guy driving in traffic. And when the traffic jam is there and the problems on the road are there, wisdom is the guy driving who has trained himself to learn how to handle the problems of, of traffic. Not the guy in the helicopter who's not even involved in the traffic. You following? Yeah. He does not know why. He doesn't have he does, sorry, let's go back. He does not have to know why his car blew a tire. But he needs to know how to skillfully get his vehicle to the side of the road. Are you following? You don't need to know why to handle that right. You doing good? 
He does not have to know why the lane ahead of him is barricaded. But he must know how to skillfully merge into the next lane. Because if he doesn't, boom. And if he spends so much time trying to figure out why and gets distracted by that and hits the barricade, he wasn't very wise, even if he figures out why it happened. Are you following? Wisdom is doing the right next thing. He does not have to know why. Oh, I already said that. Wisdom, Berg said this. Wisdom is not having God's perspective on the whole matter before us, but ha- oh, it is right here. But ha- having God's perspective about what next—that's the blank. Next response will honor Him, while keeping us still usable to Him. You see? Are you following that? Are you seeing the difference between the helicopter and the dashboard? Yeah. We get so caught up with the why. What we need to understand is what I need to do next. Yeah. That's wisdom. Letter C. A day of judgment is coming. That's the point. day of judgment is coming. Now, we're talking about Christians today, primarily. There is a day coming that God will judge sin. And, And God doesn't want you to be there. But if you're a Christian, you won't be judged for your sin, right? Praise the Lord for that. Christians will not be judged for their sin. That's the blank. As Christians, all of our sin, past, present, and future, was already judged at Calvary. Jesus judged our sin on the cross. Praise the Lord for that. The total payment was made when Christ took the wrath of God on the cross. I can't spend too much time there, but... but we could, but I shouldn't, okay? So Christians, though, will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ, and they'll examine, and, we'll, and that, that judgment will examine our usefulness, that's the blank, our usefulness or fruitfulness for God. As Christians, that's how we'll be judged, okay? Our works, but not our sin, will be exposed that's supposed to be a B. Either good or bad. That's what Second Corinthians five ten says. It'll be our works will be exposed as either good or bad. What is our works? Well, everything we did from the day we got saved until the day where we die or the day the rapture happens. However, we get to the judgment seat of Christ. That our our works that we did as Christians will be judged if they were good works or bad works. Okay. Our bad works will not be judged as sin because our sin has already been judged. So our bad works will be judged as this, as useless or good for nothing. The things that you did after you are saved that were not for Christ will be burnt up and wasted. Does that make sense? That's the judgment as Christians that we face. We're not going ju- to be judged for our sin in hell forever. We're going to be judged for the fact that a lot of us wasted a lot of our time on things that don't matter. And, and, and yeah, they're fun, and I'm not saying everything that's not, you know, I don't want to say be a monk and just sit crisscross applesauce and hum and meditate all day, um, but what I am saying is that when you get to heaven at the judgment seat of Christ, your pile of things that don't matter, the bigger that is, the more regret you're going to have. That's all I'm saying. That's all Paul was saying. It is all going to be burned up. You see. And so our bad works will be judged as useless or good for nothing. Number three, since Jesus paid, that's the blank, since Jesus paid for our sins, he deserves usefulness from us. 
following? He deserves that. We are not our own. We're bought with a price. When we watch our useful works, I'm sorry, useless, that, that was a bad mess up. When we watch our useless works be burnt up, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians that we will suffer a loss. And I believe that's the regretting that we wasted time that should have been used for our master who died for us. You know, it is said that the moment after a man dies, he knows how, exactly how he should have lived. That's true for the lost. And the lost think that eternity is not real. The lost think I don't have to worry about that. It ain't no big deal. We'll talk about that this morning. I don't have to. I, this is, none of this is even real. Well, after they die, they'll find out exactly how they should have lived. They should have accepted Christ. They'll find that out. That's what happened to the rich man in Luke 16. Immediately, he said, oh man, I should have done that. Well, that's also true for the saved. That the moment after a saved person dies, he will find out how he should have lived as a Christian. But you don't have to wait till that day to figure it out. That's why God gave us the Bible. That's why Paul told us about the judgment of Christ at all. So that we can make those decisions now. Because then it's too late. Then you just sit there and watch how your life was wasted and regret. Yeah. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that you can't ever have fun or anything like that. In fact, there's, there is a case to be made that you should not be going, going, going all the time and wearing yourself out. I get it. You need rest. You need all of that. But I also know, and if you're honest, you, could, you would admit that there's a lot of things that we do that we think right now are so important, that we think are really helping us, that we think are elevating us, and maybe they are elevating us, and we think it's so important right now, but I promise you that the, after you die, you're going to regret that you spent your time doing that and not as much time serving God and helping people be saved. I promise you that. You're going to suffer loss. Yeah, and so let's make some decisions now so that we suffer less loss in, the, in that day. Doing good? Yeah. And so we need to spend our time on earth being useful for God. That's all that's going to matter. You're not taking any of that stuff with you. You're not taking all the trophies with you. You're not taking all that stuff. It means nothing. Yeah, but it's building my character. I know, I, I get it, but in the end... We need to be useful for God, don't we? Yeah. And so since wisdom is essential to usefulness, we need to consider how you may obtain wisdom. That's why in our verses we read, wisdom is the principal thing. Why is wisdom the most thing that matters more than anything? Because that's how you're useful to God. That's how you lay up treasures in heaven. Right, Brother Steve? That's how you lay up gold, silver, and precious stone that at the judgment seat of Christ, when all your works are passed through the fire, the things that, pass, that will survive, the things that you'll be able to take to heaven and lay at the feet of Jesus, those are things that are done out of wisdom. So wisdom is the most important thing you can even think about and, and, and strive for. But men strive for fame, men strive for fortune, men strive for popularity, men strive for all of these things. But all of those things, while important on this earth, maybe, will mean nothing in heaven. Yeah. Solomon made it clear that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so, what's that? What's involved in fearing the Lord? Well, we'll look at this chart. If you study the following chart, 
will understand the path to wisdom. Now, I know it kind of maybe it's confusing. Let me explain this chart to you. It's right out of the book, out of Jim Berg's book. So the goal is wisdom. It should be. I, I say is. I hope that the goal of your life is wisdom. And I, I hope, and you, you will say yes, and I'm glad you will, because you're not in total outward rebellion, but we learned that there are other rebels than just the outward rebel. And so we might say yes, but in our hearts we're saying, no, actually, I don't really care about this. I hope you do. I hope you do. I hope that wisdom and, and, and living a life that's useful for your creator, the one who created you, the one who then you, re you rejected, and the one who then came and became a human and died for you, that creator, the Lord Jesus Christ, I hope that pleasing him with your life is the most important thing in your life. I hope it is. And so wisdom would be the principal thing for you. I hope so. So that's the goal. Well, how do you get that? Well, the master disciplines of what we said, hearing and doing. You see that, how it flows from wisdom? Hearing and doing. Okay, well then how do we be a good hearer? Attention and meditation. That's what we're going to talk about today. If you want to be a good hearer of God and gain wisdom that way, then you're going to need to pay attention and you're going to need to meditate. And then next time, I think, is when we'll talk about the doing part, obedience and endurance. So we need to pay attention. We need to choose. This is a choice. We need to choose to listen to God. Okay? I'm gonna, I don't want to get ahead of myself. And then meditation is choosing to think like God. We need to listen, and we need to change how we think. That's hearing. Good? And so Jesus, in Luke 8, gave four types of hearers. That's, that's the blank, hearers. Now this is the sower and the seed. We're not going to be able to really exposit this whole thing, but hopefully you're familiar enough with the story that this will help you, okay? The first one is the indifferent hearer. I-N and then different. Indifferent hearer. This is the soil that Jesus was talking about as by the wayside. Remember that? You know this story well enough? I wish I could go through it. But, but here's the point is that the sower, this farmer goes out and he sows seed. He casts seed in his, in his field, and some of the seed falls on the wayside. And that's where the ground is hard. And the man's heart is, is unreceptive of the truth. You see? The soil's the heart. Let me just help you with this. The soil's the heart. The seed's the word of God. The sower is God himself who gives us the word of God. And so he throws, so God gives us the word of God, and it falls on your heart, and sometimes your heart is unreceptive, it's indifferent. You don't care about it. That's the soil on the wayside. It bears no fruit, and therefore is useless to the farmer. Are you following? Are you seeing it? Useless. If you don't care about the word of God, if, then you're useless to the father. You're useless to the farmer. You see, the indifferent. The next is impulsive, the impulsive here. Impulsive. This is the shallow soil that Jesus said that fell on the rock. It, so it's soil that there's a thin layer of soil on top of the bedrock. And, and when the soil, when the, when the seed hits the soil, it, it starts to, to sprout, but it immediately dies. It bakes. It, it, actually, I think it doesn't even, this is the one that doesn't even shoot because the soil's warm. And so the sun quickly bakes the seed and it brings no fruit. And so that, this man's heart is described as emotional and insincere. Emotional and insincere. What does that mean? 
you're, you're emotional and you, you see it and you understand that this is good and you say things like, oh, this is good, and, and you're in church and you're smiling and, and the guy's preaching and you're nodding and, and you're acting like you like it, but in your heart you're just not going to do it. You're insincere. This is the soil that falls on the rock. Seems receptive, but is unwilling to pay the price it takes to bear fruit and is useless to the farmer. Doesn't matter how much you tell us you like it. If you are not willing to do it, you're useless to the Father. You see? And we're not here, we're not interested in just pleasing men. We're interested in pleasing the Father, the farmer. Okay? That's the impulsive here. Letter C, the infested. Infested. I N F E S T E D. The infested here. This is the soil that is killed by the weeds which choke the seed so it never bears fruit. And so again, the man seems receptive, but is unwilling to weed out distractions. They've, they've given themselves so much, this man gives all of his attention to the cares of this world, and he, and he fills his schedule with things that he says are very, very important, and they might be very, very important to him, but the problem is that what they do is, while they might be good and might be important in some ways, they're maybe choking out what's most important. And the infested here is the one that says he's receptive and really maybe is receptive, and in their heart they want to serve God, but they're unwilling to take things out of their life that are keeping them from really living the life God wants for them. The infested here. And as such... He never bears fruit, and is useless to the Father. Yeah, he looks receptive. Yeah, he, his heart seems to be right, but in the end, he's so distracted and infested, in that, and then the weeds are there, that he never truly bears fruit for God. You see? That's the infested here. What do we want to be? We want to be the ideal here. The ideal here. I-D-E-A-L. This is the good soil that Jesus talked about. This is the man that hears the word of God and keeps it. This man doesn't let anything crowd out or hinder his spiritual growth. This man takes the word of God seriously. This man hears the word and he will, never, he will not let anything in his life become more important than it. If anything in his life ends up pulling him away from the word of God, then he gets it out. This is the good soil. You see? He's receptive and he understands its importance. And anything in his life, anything that is hindering his spiritual growth, it's out. That's the good soil. That's the one that's hearing. And the Bible says that this man produces a hundredfold. And thus, therefore, truly is useful to the farmer. This man is going to have a lot to lay at the feet of Christ. There will be loss, there will be regret. All of us will have some. But this man is going to have a lot of gold, silver, precious stone. This man might get made fun of on this earth for spending too much time with God, for spending too much time in the Word of God, for being too excited about church, for being too excited about telling people about the Lord, to, for, for always being a Bible thumper and telling people the gospel and always inviting people to hear the gospel. He's going to be made, made fun of on this earth and people are going, to, are going to mock him. But when he gets to the judgment seat of Christ, he's going to be the one with all the treasure to give to the feet of Christ. And the ones that were making fun of him, the ones that were saying, yeah, we're believers too, we get it, but you're just wacko. You are, you are just obsessed. You are over the top, man. They're going to be the ones at the seat of Christ who are regretting a lot. 
promise you that. You see? Yeah. Yeah. And so Jesus ended the parable with this. He that hath ears to hear, that's the point. Let him hear. What does that mean? Everyone has ears to hear. Everyone has ears, I think. Some people maybe have things without ears. I think it probably happens. Or that guy that Jesus cut his ear off. Jesus put it back on. But, but what is he talking about? He's talking about those who are interested in hearing. Those who actually want to, to follow God. Those who are making the word of God most important. Those who are really interested in this, Jesus says, you go ahead and come on. And there's a lot of people who are not really interested in hearing. There are some that look like they don't, well, not look, they truly don't. There are some that don't care at all, and you know it. There are some that show up and act like they care, and only God knows it. And there are a few that show up and really care. And that's who, and God knows that too. And so God says, for him that has ears to hear, let him hear. And there is a big old group of people. There were multitudes at the feet of Jesus when he taught this. And I don't know if you know this, but not very far from here, most of them walked away. You see, not everybody did, but Jesus knew who would and who wouldn't. And so Jesus said, you that have ears to hear, let him hear. Now, the sower, God, always does his part, right? He always does his part. He's given us the word of God. The seed is of the highest quality. And so if a seed hits the ground, if the seed doesn't grow, it's not because of the sower and it's not because of the seed. Are you following? If the word doesn't take root and produce fruit, it is not because of the sower and it is not because of the seed. The sower cares. The sower sows. The seed is of highest quality. There is nothing wrong with the word of God. It's not the word of God's fault. It's not God's fault. It's always, always because of the condition of the soil. Of the soil. You see? Are you following this? Yeah. If you want to allow the word of God to grow within you, you need to be a good hearer. You need to consider the condition of your soil. You need to see if there's too many weeds in your soil. You need to inspect whether there's a bedrock underneath your soil that needs to be removed. You need to be a good hearer. If you desire to be the type of hearer that receives God's word, then we're going to talk about that right now. So you're welcome. I'm nice on that. Yeah. And here's, the, here's how you do it. Attention and meditation. Attention and meditation. This is how you be a good hearer. Number three, the basic discipline of attention. Of attention. Basically, hearing means, and Jesus said, let him that have ears of him hear. Hearing means, first of all, that we are choosing to listen to God. We're choosing to listen to God. Berg talks about spiritual junk mail. And so when you open your mailbox, unfortunately, most of it is junk, right? And you get a lot of junk mail, and you look at it, and as long as it's, you look at it long enough to know what it is, and then you lose it. You toss it. You get rid of it. Too many Christians treat God's word that way. They treat God's word that way. They hear the word of God. They give it enough attention to know what it is, but then they do nothing with it. You see? 
Because believers are in a relationship with God, there should be a difference between the way we treat God's work and the junk mail that comes into our lives. There is a lot of stuff that comes into your life that you just need to recognize it for what it is and get rid of it. But the Word of God shouldn't be dealt with that way. So we need to choose to listen to God. Letter B, God designed man to listen to someone for direction of life. In Genesis 2, God walked with Adam and Eve, right? And God designed man to be dependent upon somebody else's instruction. Okay? Now we know that he designed for man to follow his instruction. That direction came from God, as Adam fellowshiped with in the garden. But then, more different instruction came Adam's way, didn't it? And when Adam started listening to the serpent... He was given a constant flow of information that opposed God. You see? And Adam should have paid no attention to the serpent. The serpent should have been the junk mail. And he should have recognized it for what it is and got rid of it, but he didn't, did he? Adam and Eve started listening and doing what the serpent said and taking instruction from someone that wasn't God's instruction. You see? Berg says this, if we are to move out the foolishness of our own heart, that's the blank, we're to move out the foolishness of our own heart and develop a renewed mind, we must make it a habit of life, a discipline, to listen to God than, our, than to our own heart. There's basically three voices that come your way. God's voice, your heart's voice, or the world's voice. And I guess the devil's voice. And we need to make it a habit. Stop listening to our own heart and what we want and what we think. That's our primary voice. The devil doesn't mess with you as much as maybe you think he does. I think a lot of times it's your own heart who's telling you things. And we need to learn. We need to learn to ignore our own heart's voice and listen to God's voice. You see? It needs to be discipline. A habit. The cornerstone of wisdom, Berg says, is a dependent and submissive heart that shows itself by giving its attention to God and to spiritual leaders. That's the blank, spiritual leaders. And so your spiritual leaders in your life, there's verses here about listening to your spiritual leaders, all in Proverbs, mostly talking to Solomon's um, parents. But there's spiritual leaders in your life. Well, why are they in your life? Well, if they're truly spiritual leaders, they're telling you the Word of God. See? And we need to listen to our spiritual leaders, and God's always had spiritual leadership in, in, in His economy. It goes back all the way to even Moses, and then Joshua, and, and then the prophets, right? And then the apostles, and then pastors and teachers. But then even, hopefully, our parents are spiritual leaders, and other men and women in the church, and and Titus talks about how the older men need to instruct and help the younger men. And the older ladies need to help and instruct the younger ladies. And we all need to have submissive hearts to listen to our spiritual leaders in our life. Instead of listening to our friends who probably don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. Carefully listen to. Number four. The basic discipline of meditation. Meditation. The goal of biblical meditation is to think like God. Again, it's not just sitting down crisscross applesauce on the top of a rock 
from staring at the sky and, and humming to yourself. That's actually pagan. Can I tell you that? It's mostly pagan stuff. The, po the point of biblical med meditation is to think like God. Think like God. Remembering God's words is tied to our relationship with Him. Well, what do you mean? Well, we remember information that's important to us, and that's rehearsed. If you want to remember information, there's two things that need to happen. It needs to be important to you, you need to do it, hear it a lot. Right? Some of us are just elephants and remember everything. But most of us, we need to make the, important, the information important to us, and we need to hear it more than once if we're going to remember it. Right? And so the same can be true with memorizing God's Word. If you want to memorize a verse, you need to make it important to you that you memorize it, and then you've got to go ahead and look at it a few times, and maybe a lot of times until you memorize it. So we can all memorize things. We just have to make it important, and we have to keep it in front of us. Doing good? Anyone who knows how to worry knows how to meditate. That's the blank. Anyone who knows how to worry knows how to meditate. What do you mean? Well, a worrier takes one thought and looks single-mindedly at that thought from every possible angle. That's what a worrier does. Examining every possible implication of that thought. And they're consumed with that thought. Well, biblical meditation is exactly the same. You just need to change what you're meditating on, don't you? Biblical meditation involves the same process, but the reflective thought must be on the truth from God and not on the lie from our own heart or from Satan. Oftentimes we hear the lies of our heart and the lies, the fiery darts of the devil, and we take those and we meditate on that when God intends for us to meditate on His Word instead. If you're worrying, your problem is you're meditating on the wrong thing. You need to start thinking about the truths of God and thinking about every implication of that thought and, and thinking about how that can apply in every possible angle and being single-mindedly focused on the thought from the Word of God. That's biblical meditation. And so, because of the supreme importance of God's Word, we should make an intense study of it. We should study it. We should spend time. I love what Berg talks about a man who's searching for a contact lens. Anyone wear contacts in here? Anyone? No? Anyone? Have you ever dropped your contact? That's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, you're all over the place. You're on the floor. You can't see, cause so your face is like this. I've seen people do it. Like, where in the world is my contact? Oh, whoa. They, uh, yeah. They don't care how ridiculous they look. They don't care what position they got to get in. They are going to do what they can to find that contact lens. And that's what, that's what study is all about. Yeah. It's very, very important. It's very important you find that contact lens. There's a lot of money. And it helps you see. But nowhere near as important as the Word of God. And if we, if we truly think the Word of God is important enough, then we'll, we don't care how ridiculous we look to people. We don't care how much time it takes. We're going to be looking to see what's in this Word right here. You see? important. We need to meditate on it. We didn't say this, but I want to, I, I want to make this point that <clears throat> meditation is not like um, just a process. Like you memorize lots of scripture, that means that you, you're, you're doing what God wants you to do with meditation. In fact, that's not even... Here's what meditation is about. We said it, but I want to, I want to, I want to um, 
take this further. We need to think like God. Not just spout off words that are in the Word of God. Do you know who else memorized and, and said Scripture? Satan. Remember? It is written. That's what he said to Jesus. And then he quoted Psalm. Just because you memorize and can regurgitate words doesn't mean you're thinking like God. You need to do whatever you need to do to change how you're thinking. To line your thought processes. I'm talking about how you process information. I'm talking about how you think, not what you think. What you think is the hearing. And we get the principles. And we hear what we need to think. But we need to allow that to change how we think. You see? And to change how you think, you have to realize that the way you're thinking is probably bad. I hear, I've heard pastors, preachers say this, stinking thinking. Oftentimes we think wrong. Not what we're thinking about, maybe, but how we're thinking about what we're thinking about. That's meditation. Good? We need to change how we're thinking. We need to change how we view life. We need to change how we view our trials. We're, we're thinking about Chloe. It hurts. It's hard. But it's not utterly hopeless. We need to change how we think of that. Why? Because God's still in control. And yeah, we need to, we need to sorrow and hurt and pray. And God, why? Why do we need to do all that? Because God asked us to pray. God asked us to bring it to Him. Well, why do we need to pray? Because we know who we're praying to. We need to change our thinking about praying. Praying isn't just to get stuff. Praying is talking to a, to a God who is our creator, to a powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God. We need to think about how we're thinking, not just what we're thinking. You see? We need to meditate. And oftentimes, we think about what we watch on TV all day. And now we don't just think about what's on TV, we think like what's on TV. Well, why? Because we spend so much time glued to this TV, and it's what it's doing is it's training you how to process life. Well, I just don't, I'm starting to think, you know, this homosexuality thing and this gender thing isn't really a big deal. That's because you're allowing the thought processes of this world to think that's not a big deal. But God says it is a big deal. And because, what, why is it a big deal? Because fundamentally, it goes against God's very design. And if you're thinking right, if you're thinking about this right, you don't even come close to, you know, this isn't a big deal. Let people do what they want. Let people do what they want. Where are you getting that idea? Not from the Word of God. We don't do what we want. We're talking all day about denying what we want. But the world says, think this way. Think how you want to think. Be who you want to be. Express yourself. Oh, don't do that either. Express yourself. You're not thinking right. You know who you are? You know, there's coming a day where people are going to express themselves to the fullest, and it's after the rapture. And that's when sin has its way. When you express yourself, you're letting sin have its way. Don't do that. Follow your heart. No, don't do that either. It's foolish to do that. Why does all this matter? Because, because we need to change how we think. It's not a big deal that I watch horror movies. Yeah, it's a kind of a big deal when you watch horror movies. Well, I mean, it doesn't affect anything. I don't believe any of this. It's no big deal. No, it's changing how you think. Careful. Careful who you let instruct how you think. What should we meditate on? Well, the only place that's going to tell us how to really think right. You know, there's people out there called I'm getting off on my head. There's people out there called psychiatrists, and I'm not. I mean, I'm not totally against all of that. But what I am saying is, they don't know how to think if they're not if they're not looking at the Word of God. 
if there's such a thing as Christian psychiatrists, maybe, but the world's view of psychiatry and the world's view about how your mind works, they might have some scientific merit to it, but they kind of don't even know the problem. They don't know how to think. And they're trying to help people think who don't, and they don't know how to think. You see? We need to let the Word of God help us think right. You see? And again, I'm not, I'm not against psychiatry necessarily and psychology and, and, and getting help that way, but I am concerned about where they're getting their information and how they're helping you. You see? Because what we need to do is think the way the Word of God thinks. And the only way you're going to know how the Word of God thinks is by reading it. And there's a lot of people getting help from people who can't help. You see? We need to line our lines, our minds, our thinking, our way of thinking, and what we think about with the Word of God. The only place that tells us, tells us how to think right. So pursue wisdom. Yeah. Three things, and then we'll pray for a few minutes. Pursue wisdom. Be faithful in church attendance and Bible reading. Those are two practical ways to pursue wisdom. Now, don't just do those things to do them. Do those things because you want to pursue wisdom. Letter B. Remove distractions that keep you from giving full attention to God. What is it in your life that's keeping you from paying attention to God? And then number, letter C. Commit yourself to daily meditation on the Word so that you are not a forgetful hearer. Hear the Word of God, remember the Word of God, meditate on the Word of God, and allow it to change your mind. Let's pray, and then after I pray, we'll give some time to you. God, thank you for your Word. Thank you for this matter of meditation. Help us, God, to give attention to your Word. Help us, God, to allow your Word to change our minds and how we think. Pray that you bless this time of invitation. Christ, in my prayer. Amen. Brother Josh is going to